Welcome to the show today, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. We have an exciting episode and conversation today with Jonathan Keller, the president of California Family Council. We had him back on at like episode 131 or something like that, and we're now over 200 episodes, and so we appreciate you tuning in in these propitious moments. And if you do listen to this show, it's probably because you recognize not just the importance of life and the role of the church to stand for the life of the unborn, but the specific Kairos nature of the moment that we're living in right now. Not all moments in history are created equal. Some carry more weight, and we are living through one of those times now. And it would be to our great shame to look back 30, 40 years from now and say, I wish I had recognized at the time how significant the time I was living in was. We're living in one of those moments now, and it's important for you to know what's going on in the front lines of the abortion wars. As I've said so many times to you on this show, go tweet this, go make this case to your friends, your pastor in particular, that if you don't get the right to life right, you won't get any other rights right. The primary reason we're experiencing the deterioration of liberty and freedom writ large, more so than any other cause, goes back to our tolerance with and apathy towards abortion. Abortion has destroyed the jurisprudence and the freedom of American citizens. For as Reagan once beautifully said, that Lincoln recognized that we actually can't survive as a free country when some men can decide that others are not fit to be free. The unborn have not been free for nearly 50 years, and now we're experiencing the attack on freedoms that we have for too long taken for granted. But so much of this tyranny starts in my home state of California, unfortunately. Unfortunately, that saying is true, folks. As, so go, as goes California, so goes the country. So it becomes significantly more important for the church in California to stand up against evil maybe than almost any other state, except maybe New York, the East Coast version of California. So much of the policies and the legislation that starts in these states spreads across the country. We need to stand at that break point and say no to evil and stand for life. And the abortion, the abortion industrial complex, or as my friend Dr. Brent Bowles recently coined a new term, um, abortophiles, okay, um, are moving unlike any other time to protect abortion. They're deathly afraid that Roe v. Wade will get overturned in June, so they're girding up their secularly degenerate loins to protect their high sacrament. You need to know what's happening on the front lines in California right now while the murdered babies in Washington, D.C. are being honored by the pro-life movement to expose the deeds of darkness and wake up the church. And Jonathan Keller and California Family Council are on the front lines of tearing down the high places of secular progressivism in this once great state of California. Buckle up, you're in for a treat. I'm Seth Gruber, and this is Unaborted. Jonathan, welcome back to the show, brother. Seth, thanks so much for having me. It is great to be with you. I, I didn't realize it had been that long. There had been that many episodes, but now that I, uh, <laughs> I, I realized, I think last time I was there, you didn't have the fancy desk and everything. We were still sitting at the table <laughs> on the high chairs. Yeah, yeah. No, it's wonderful. Well, as you know, and the listeners of this show know, um, we call our home church here at Godspeed Calvary Chapel, Liberty Springs. Um, and the, the church and the leadership here have been so generous with so many ministries 
um, that they want to support in these in these very important times. And so um, I'm just part of a collective here um, who are fighting for life and liberty. And so it's it's good to have you back on the show, brother. So a lot of people have been losing their minds, bro, as you know. Um, I mean, so much so that I was getting some some angry comments and messages from pro-lifers asking me why I wasn't addressing AB 2223 and, and stuff coming out of D.C. more. Uh, and honestly, it's just because I'm, I'm very busy as you are with kids, families, and traveling. I, sometimes I just can't do as much as I'd like. But we certainly need to blow the trumpet with what is happening right now. Uh, we just had my friend A.J. Hurley on the show, uh, Jonathan, from the director of Survivors of the Abortion Holocaust, to specifically go into his swing or his swing for swing or play by play um, story of what happened with these 115 murdered babies from the Washington D.C. Surgery Center, um, Surgery Clinic. I'm sorry, um, and the response of the federal government and the refusal of the authorities to conduct autopsies because we're not stupid. We as pro-lifers, Jonathan, could tell that at least two of these babies were killed through partial birth abortion, um, which we've been saying for years is still happening in America. Um, but the left, of course, refuses to acknowledge it. And now the the exposing of this evil, which happens every day, but this, this sovereign moment that God seemed to arrange where pro-lifers were able to actually secure some of these murdered children, which the abortion industry never allows the public to see, of course, Jonathan, for obvious reasons. God has allowed this to happen to expose evil. You now have big name senators and, and Congress people, you know, saying when we when we take back the House and or the Senate, there's going to be investigations into this, um, as there ought to be. So all of this is arranging itself at the same time, Jonathan. You know, as Churchill once said, that there's something going on in space and time and beyond space and time, which whether we like it or not spells duty. Something, so there is more beyond space uh, and time than is dreamt of by our philosophies. And I think we're seeing that right now as California and Maryland are pushing to essentially decriminalize infanticide. Colorado's legalizing abortion through the point of birth. And at the same time, you have infants, some of whom were literally killed through infanticide in D.C., and it's all happening in the same, like, 15-day span of time. So I want to talk about some of these bills coming out from California because you at California Family Council and your team do a great job on your website. Guys, you got to go to CaliforniaFamily.org um, and click on their link, Bills to Watch, and see everything that these abortion kooks are pushing right now. But uh, Jonathan, let's start with AB 2223 because this is the big one. This is the most radical one. And before you dive into it, I want to make the comment, and I'm sure we'll discuss this. Um, this is all just promises made, promises kept. Uh, this shouldn't surprise us. Uh, and I covered this in the show months ago. The California Future of Abortion Council, yes, there's an organization called that, folks, and came up with 45 recommendations to turn this once great golden state into a sanctuary state for killing babies. And we all know why. They, they're predicting Roe will fall in June, actually more than most conservative pundits are predicting. The left is like preparing for this. And so they're saying, well, we need to create a political environment where we protect abortion and we're the quote-unquote safest state for killing babies. Babies. Um, so, so the, a lot of these bills—they're just a fulfillment of what they what they promised they were going to do in their future of abortion council report. So, Jonathan, uh, hand the ball over to you. Um, what's going on in the state of California, and what is this bill? Uh, my well, goodness. Yeah, it, it really is shocking, Seth. And first off, again, thanks thanks for having me on. Thanks everybody for listening. Some of these bills are really hard to talk about. Some of them are. Like you said, a lot of them are very 
kind of rudimentary. You look at a lot of the bills, the Future of Abortion Council put together a 15-page document. If you haven't seen it, I encourage you to go read it. Um, Seth, I'm sure you've linked to it. You can always find it on our website as well, californiafamily.org. You can just search for Future of Abortion Council. We've got multiple articles about it. But the original document, let me just back up and say the original document was 15 pages long. It included 40 local, state, and national abortion advocacy groups that were all working to push. Look, if we have a wish list, if we could have everything we wanted from, uh, you know, Granddaddy Gavin, you know, our, our, our sugar daddy, <laughs> giving us anything we want for abortion, what are we going to get? And they put together a wish list of 45 separate proposals. And some of those are included entirely within the bills that have been introduced. One of them, we're going to talk about in a second, literally, Seth, word for word, like down to the punctuation, it is copied and pasted from the Future of Abortion Council report. It's not like, I wow. mean, if this was a if this was a high school paper, it would get an F for plagiarism. That is how blatant it is as a copy wow. and paste of, of the wish list. But yep. this bill that, that we've been looking at, the one that has been getting so much attention, AB 2223, this is something that is so beyond the pale. It's so far out there that I don't even think most of us were paying attention because it, it was it was something that when I explain it to people, you really actually have to unpack it because every time I've talked to an att- with an attorney about this, every time I've talked about this with pro-life advocates, I was on a call with pastors, a Zoom call this morning with pastors, and right. they, like, it, it, it's it's almost unbelievable. They're like, well, okay, yeah. I, I must be hearing you wrong because it sounds like you're saying that a mother could allow her child to die after birth and she wouldn't be held accountable for it. But that, that surely that's not what you're saying. Well, th- that's actually exactly what we're saying. This bill, yeah. again, AB 2223, you go to the website. We've set up a special page that is only about this bill. That's how serious it is. AB2223.org. It has all the latest information. It has ways you can engage with that lobby day that you, we're going to be talking about. Essentially, what this is related to is a a tragic case out of my neck of the woods, Central California. There was a case where a woman uh, gave birth to a child who was stillborn. And uh, shortly after she gave birth to this child that passed away, uh, the police came and they arrested her and they put her in jail for murder. Um, or And she was convicted. She's been serving a sentence for the last several years. So oh. the pro-abortion community, as you might imagine, has been aghast. I, I can't believe that you would arrest this grieving mother for uh, for murder. I mean, this is horrible. We should make sure that, you know, no woman is ever criminalized. No woman is ever arrested for pregnancy loss. Well, l- let me just start by saying, as an, as an issue, I don't know any pro-life person that thinks that a woman should be put in jail simply because of a miscarriage or simply because of a stillbirth. I mean, yes, yeah, but yeah. I, I, just the, the the disingenuousness that they yeah, try no to say that, that, that yeah. no, I mean, and my wife and I, we, we had two miscarriages early in our marriage. We know lots of friends that have had miscarriages and I, I have a family member, actually, I won't, I won't say their name, but I, I have a, a fairly close family member that she and her husband uh, had a baby with severe fetal defects. That baby uh, lived to 40, or sorry, 37 weeks and was born. And after being born, lived for about 45 minutes uh, before passing away. It, it, it was a, a difficult and a heart-rending situation. 
Yeah. I don't think, of course, that this this family member should face any consequences because their child died. But right. here's the problem. The left is trying to play on our justified and appropriate sympathy and compassion for people that experience true pregnancy loss. And they are now, Seth, basically trying to blur the lines between miscarriage and stillbirth and abortion. And I, I just right. have to pause before we even get into the specifics of this bill. I think this is one of the, I, I realize that, that that murder of a child is always, always wrong. But personally, I think this is one of the most grotesque and offensive things that the abortion industry tries to do. They try to equate the deliberate, systematic killing of unborn human persons with the tragic loss of wanted human persons. And yep. th they want to blur the lines and say there's no difference. And that right. th they did this a few years ago, I remember as well. Th they will try whenever there's a miscarriage awareness day, they say, oh, you know, well, uh, women that experience miscarriage or stillbirth, you know, it's the same as a woman who experiences yeah. an abortion. I've no, seen that. Yeah, no. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and look, I, I realize we're not subject to uh, FCC regulations on this podcast, but I, I, I will just tell you that that gets me so angry and so furious that the left and the abortion industrial complex tries to blur these lines and, the, and they try to pull on people's heartstrings and use their sympathies in a way that is justifying their murderous activities. Yep. So That's just right. to get that out of the way first. Well, but and they're they're sort of conceding our our primary uh, contention and argument, aren't they, Jonathan? Because they're now admitting through their refusal to define some of the words in this bill, which we'll get to, they're conceding that, yeah, if you should be allowed to kill unborn children in the womb for any reason or no reason at all, then you should also be allowed to kill or allow a child to die after they're born. And we know that they've been okay with this for decades. I just did an episode a couple weeks ago, Jonathan, called uh, Democrats Have Always Supported Infanticide. Like everyone's like, oh my gosh, Seth, Jonathan, I'm so, all the pastors, you know, and it's like, okay, it's like, welcome to the game, welcome to the fight, like I hope you remain. But it's like, you know, they're like, how is this happening, Jonathan? And we're like, what are you talking about? Like, Clinton vetoed the Partial Birth Abortion Ban Act in freaking 2000, 2000 2002. Like, this is not Twice. new. You know, like, yeah. it, it, and now they have vetoed Ben Sasse's Born Alive Abortion Survivors Protection Act over 85 times, Jonathan. Like, why yeah. are you surprised? Like, this is just the natural sort of um, course of their ideas. But through their language, they are admitting the pro-life argument, the pro-life case, that there is no fundamental moral difference between the child in the womb and the child outside the womb. We use that as a way to defend life. Now they're using that, strangely enough, to conclude, well, then we should be able to kill children after birth as well. And this reminds me, before I hand it back over to you, Jonathan, it reminds me of something Peter Singer actually once said. Peter Singer, probably one of the most prolific defenders of infanticide in America. Since his book um, in 1993, which I just forgot the name of, um, he's been writing about this since I was two years old, Jonathan, that, that, that he is for um, the killing or depersoning of children up to one years old because he recognizes that his same arguments that would disqualify the unborn from rights of personhood would also disqualify the newborn from rights of personhood. And in fact, he says in his book, um, Jonathan, he says that um, the liberal search for a morally crucial dividing line between the newborn baby and the fetus has failed to yield any event or stage of development 
that can bear the weight of separating those with a right to life from those who lack such a right. <laughs> so he's been admitting this, and now you're seeing those. One. Yeah, now you're seeing those ideas enflesh themselves in our jurisprudence because ideas have consequences. So um, tell us more about this bill as part of just the the forward movements of the secular moral revolution. Yeah. So uh, again, I want to point out that if this bill was only dealing with the fact that a, a, a woman or a family that suffers a, a tragic miscarriage that is unintentional or a tragic stillbirth, uh, they should not be prosecuted. Of, of course, I think pro-lifers would agree every woman who experiences true pregnancy loss should be loved and supported. But there's a second part of this story. And when you hear, you know, this woman, Adora Perez, you know, she was arrested what they're not telling you is that this woman was a meth addict. Um, she was not only a meth addict that, you know, she slipped up, she used it one time, and this was the tragic consequence. She is actually, Seth, not a second generation meth addict. She's a third generation meth addict. In the article written by um, liberal news sources, uh, she, her parents and her grandparents were both meth addicts. And this was also not her first pregnancy. It wasn't, well, you know, look, I, I, I didn't know I was pregnant. I made a mistake right. and my child tragically died. Seth, I, 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 feel, very, I feel very sad. This is, a, this is an example of our society, how as a complete society, when we have rejected God and we have pushed him out of so many facets of our society, everything else just breaks and falls apart, whether it's the sexual revolution, whether it's drug usage, you know, in this case of this woman, this was not her first pregnancy. This was not her second pregnancy. Seth, she had, before this child tragically died of a meth overdose, she had nine previous pregnancies. And oh all of gosh. those children, all of those children from those previous pregnancies had been taken away by Child Protective Services and sent to live either in foster care or with other family members. This was a repeated wow pattern of drug usage and of failure of her family, of the community. I mean, wow. she bears a lot of responsibility, but I want to point out that this is an example of the fruit of the sick tree of the sexual yeah. revolution and, and the lack of accountability on so many right. different levels. Well, and so, so they're trying this, to take this this extreme case and compare it to like a loving mother and father who are very faithful to one another and they just got pregnant with their first kid and he's got a good paying job and she volunteers at church and is involved in social clubs and is not an addict and tragically they have their first miscarriage and now the Republicans are going to come in and investigate her for a murder like and so exactly. this is what the left always does. They're going to take some extreme radical case and say this will be indicative of every case. And so thank you well, for that background because nobody really knows that. That's crazy. And and the thing is that I um I, I as a as a Christian I have compassion for this woman. She obviously has lived a tragically broken life. She needs the love and forgiveness and redemption of Jesus. But what she also needed early in her life and look. I'm sorry. This is going to make me sound like a, you know, like a hater, but she actually needed consequences in her life, maybe even jail, yeah. way before it got to this point in her life. Yeah. And the fact that our our society is so consequence averse that our elected officials refuse to hold people accountable for their actions early in life, that they they refuse to force people to get into treatment programs or they refuse to uh, I mean, there's there's so many different possible options here, right. but 
it is the failure of our entire culture and society that got us to this point. So now as a result, instead of reckoning with that, instead of saying maybe we should be completely rethinking the way that yeah. we are treating uh, drug crimes, the way that we are treating promiscuity, you know, all these different issues. Instead, now let's just dramatically change the law and let's use this case as a sledgehammer to demolish yeah. that dividing line between birth and pre-birth. And yep. essentially, Seth, the, the key thing about this bill, there's multiple aspects of it. One of them that has been getting very little attention, and this would be a, a bad enough reason to oppose the bill by itself. Currently, there is this there is this very minor uh, restriction on abortion, even in the state of California. It essentially says, number one, uh, you will be guilty of an illegal abortion if you are not a licensed physician and you perform the abortion. And part two is, even if you are a licensed physician, if uh, the baby is viable, number one, and a doctor determines that it would not uh, impact the woman's uh, health for there to be an abortion, that abortion is illegal. Now, I mean, right. Seth, you and I know that the Dovey Bolton exception, that, that's big enough to drive a truck through. Health could mean anything. It can mean yeah. emotional health, mental health, financial health. But the crazy thing is, even in the state of California, we have that tiny sliver of a restriction. Yeah. Well, Seth, yeah. that's not good enough for the left because in that same section, they are now adding a new clause that says, even if uh, the person performing the abortion is not a doctor, and even if a doctor, I'll paint a picture for you. Let's say that you have a woman who finds out that for whatever reason, she, she doesn't want to have this child anymore. She could go to a doctor and the doctor could say, well, there's no financial, there's no mental, there's no emotional reason for you to not have this child. And the child's viable. There's no, there's no uh, fetal deformity, there's no issues. So if a doctor, an abortion doctor, actually refused per to perform an abortion at the ninth month of pregnancy, this law adds a new clause that says, yeah, it's illegal unless the person performing the abortion is the mother herself. This basically right. legalizes abortion. Wow up to the moment of birth if the person performing the abortion is the mother and uh, for wow. all the this is all in all, ab 2223 this is all wow. in there and and again for all the discussions that our friends on the left always talk about that you know oh we we want to avoid these dangerous back alley yep. clinics you know we want yep. to avoid coat hanger abortion like literally you are incentivizing yep. every single woman that is facing an unplanned pregnancy i mean I, again, I hate to be so gruesome about this, but let's even just say that she doesn't have the money or she doesn't want to travel. If a woman chooses to self-abort herself at any stage in the pregnancy, yep. in any method she chooses, she would not be held accountable in any way. And yep. that's where it gets to the second part of this bill. And that's how you know that despite the protestations of Assemblymember Buffy Wicks, who repeatedly said, my bill is being mischaracterized. We have these, these, these angry uh, anti-abortion activists, these anti-choice yeah. radicals yes, that are trying to, yeah. trying to make this about infanticide. Here's right. the reality. Just like we know that we know that abortion and later term abortion has always been a backup for failed birth control. The next logical the next logical progression of that is that perinatal death is now going to become a backup for a failed abortion. Right. And now, what, but Jonathan, what, listen. Here's what the here's what the critic would say, or the squishy um, woke uh, apolitical pastor, um, Jonathan. I read the bill. 
uh, and I was trying to confirm your Republican talking points, and uh, I don't see in the bill here anywhere where it says specifically what you're saying, where it says that a woman can kill a baby after birth or neglect a baby after birth and not be held legally responsible. So you're just you're just stirring up Republican talking points and further um, further deepening the political divide that's already in America. Um, so, you know, stop making a big deal out of this. Uh, what would you say to someone who says, well, I don't see the language in the bill that you're saying is in the bill. Well, Seth, just like we've seen on, um, so many issues over the last several years, uh, even outside the pro-life sphere, uh, when you start getting fact checked, uh, you know that, um, there's at least a kernel of truth in what you're saying. And <laughs> yeah. Just since we started fighting against this bill a few weeks ago, there's not been one random tiny fact check in a local station. We've had five separate fact checks, including from Reuters, that are basically trying to push back and say, no, 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 this isn't, this isn't doing what it says. Look, the word infanticide isn't even in the bill. You know, what are, yes, what are you exactly. talking about? These are not the droids well, you're looking for. Yeah. The phrase to look for in the bill and the phrase that is so extreme that it led Maryland to even pull this bill before it got a vote is the phrase perinatal death. And right. you know that perinatal death is different than uh, miscarriage and stillbirth because it's in the bill. Those other two things are in the bill. They say no woman shall be prosecuted for a still miscarriage for a stillbirth or a perinatal death. So you don't need to put that in the bill if it is the same thing. You don't need to add this in here unless it is a natural progression. Miscarriage, something that happens before term birth, a stillborn, a child that is delivered but is dead. Perinatal death, by its definition, is a death that occurs seven days after birth or potentially up to 30 days after birth. Now, that's not me just randomly picking those out. You can look in the current California code. It, it's, there's not a consistent definition in every single case, but multiple times there are no definitions that end perinatal death before seven days. And, and Seth, this gets to your point with Peter Singer. Uh, there is no distinction. If you're going to say a child out of the womb is not a child at one day, why is it a child with rights and uh, our duty to care at seven days or at yep. 28 days or potentially even longer than that? And they have tried very carefully to say, well, uh, if, if you look at a lot of the recent fact checks, you'll see Buffy Wick say, no, 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 um, this is, the bill doesn't do what it says it did. But besides, uh, I amended the bill. I added new language into it so that it doesn't, uh, it doesn't even do what they're afraid of. Well, first off, if it didn't do what you said, you're admitting it by, by amending the bill, number one. But number two, the amendments for the bill are so weak and so disingenuous as to be meaningless. And that's not me talking. Yep. That's multiple attorney friends. The only phrase that she's added to this bill is she said, well, perinatal death from pregnancy-related causes – well, pregnancy-related causes, similar to the Doe v. Bolton Supreme Court decision, pregnancy-related causes could mean anything. It could mean, right. well, I had intended to kill this child through abortion, and now as a result of that, um, my pregnancy-related cause is I have postpartum depression. <laughs> and, wow. and, and look, I, I – I, it honestly makes me almost sick to my stomach to talk about this because the level of moral horror that we're we're talking about a woman that would deliberately 
take the life of her own child that is yep. writhing and squirming and screaming on the table. Um, I, I, look, we've all seen these tragic stories of women that have experienced severe postpartum depression that have then taken the lives of their children. Right. I, I have passion on those women. I think that they should absolutely get help, but I also think they should face consequences. I, I, I also think that we, as a society, we have to be able to talk about the fact that even though we might have compassion on someone who, who makes a, a tragic life case that, that is a, a crime, that doesn't mean that our compassion outweighs our sense of justice and our sense of duty. And that's exactly what we're being asked to do here. We're essentially being asked to say that if there is a child that dies after birth, not only would the woman not be held accountable, Seth, but in the case of the family in uh, Hanford, California, the district attorney, the brave pro-life district attorney there who upheld the law and charged Adora Perez with murder, in the future, if a law enforcement officer, a district attorney, a detective, if they tried to investigate and hold someone accountable for the death of a child, the perinatal death of a child, the death within seven to 30 days, the woman would now have a private right of action. She could countersue and $25,000 penalties against anybody who tries to enforce the law. That's right. Yeah. And so to that point, Jonathan, the important thing for the listeners to understand and, and us as pro-lifers is that this is their way of ensuring that they protect women who obtain abortions because of the future legal climate that we're hoping comes soon where Roe v. Wade is overturned. And so they want to shore up all of their protective laws, not for unborn children, but for women seeking abortions. And so to Jonathan's point, you guys, what he's saying is even if a case is brought against a woman, even for a perinatal death, the death of a baby after they're born, um, we need to make sure that the mom can countersue. We need to protect her at all turns. And so to your point about compassion, though, is, you know, is, is well said. I mean, as Henry Nouwen once said, compassion without confrontation uh, fades quickly into fruitless sentimental commiseration. Um, mm. Compassion without confronting evil, compassion without compassion for the victims of injustice is actually not compassion at all. It's just false compassion, and it only harms the people that you claim to be an advocate of. So AB 2223 um, that is the explanation, guys. That is how it would justify infanticide. Yes, it doesn't say uh, a woman can kill her baby after birth. Why? Because the left is never that clear with their language, right? Uh, journalist Paul Greenberg years ago, decades ago, Jonathan said that uh, verbicide precedes homicide. It's the distortion by euphemism of language to camouflage or at least blunt the truth about the real killing that we want to do. Um, and the left is experts they are masters at manipulating language redefining words with the belief that they can redefine reality to upend society and recreate it in their own botched image and so mm -hmm. you guys need to understand this statecraft today um is far more happens far more with what is not said in our bills than what is said it's the open-ended, nondescript language that allows them to apply the ideas in their bill to a whole range of different legal scenarios. And so it takes thoughtful men, it takes men who understand the legal landscape, 
to actually read into this and explain the political consequences of the language that the left is putting in the bill. Um, but I think your response, uh, your story about the pastor's response, Jonathan, is powerful. I think that's what most people are responding with right now. It's like, what? that can't be possible. Yeah. Why not? They, they refuse to pass laws to protect babies born alive during botched abortions. They refuse to conduct autopsies for baby Harriet and others in D.C. who are pro-life friends pulled out of vats of hazardous waste and their yep. skulls are half collapsed in. That only happens through a partial birth abortion. Well, that's an illegal abortion, guys. So, hey, just do the autopsy to confirm. Oh, you don't want to confirm it. You don't want the word to get out that this was actually infanticide. So this should not surprise anyone who's actually been a watchman of our times. Um, but this is coming down the pike very quickly for, for actual infants now in the state of California. And, John, and Seth, I, I want to point out another thing here. A lot of people might say, well, I just can't imagine that this – this sounds horrible, but look, how often could this actually happen? I mean, it, isn't it the case that you know, you, you're not going to have mothers out there that are going to be deliberately trying to take the lives of their unborn children? Well, I hope that's the case. I would pray that's the case, but as we've seen over the last 49 years – 63 million children would beg to differ with that uh, the, with that idea. And I want right. to point one other thing out that I forgot to mention before that is so key, and this is where it loops in the abortion industry. It loops in uh, abortionists like uh, Cesar Santangelo out there in D.C. Uh, it goes on and it says, this bill would prohibit a person from being subject to civil or criminal liability or otherwise deprived of their rights based on their actions or omissions with respect to their pregnancy or actual potential or alleged pregnancy outcome based so and then here's the key, or based solely on their actions to aid or assist a pregnant woman who is exercising their reproductive rights. So in other <laughs> words, not Gobbly only does good. it allow the woman, not only does it allow the, the woman to potentially end the life of this child, but if you are the doctor who assists her, okay, what, what if you are providing um, comfort care? to a child born after a failed abortion and you provide a lethal injection? What if the mother is threatening to, I'm just not gonna feed this baby, I'm going to just let it die, and the doctor says, oh, that's fine, you just bring this child in here and you know, you, we'll euthanize the child and that way you don't have to deal with uh, you know, the emotional difficulty of this. I mean, again, post-birth abortion, post-birth euthanasia, you could very, I mean, Seth, tell me that Tell me that there are not going to be clinics that pop up like this that are going to offer, you know, a compassionate uh, alternative uh, to a child with special needs. You know, we realize that this wasn't your plan and we can help you take care of that problem and, you know, offer some dignity and some compassion to your yeah. child born with Down syndrome. Yeah. yeah. And to the to the Christians who are, who are waking up to the political fight all of a sudden and going, huh, what's going on? Uh, listen, you guys need to understand why would you think that infanticide couldn't happen again? It was only the Christian worldview historically that granted dignity and uh, this idea of personhood and equality and value to every human being. And secular atheists, massive secular atheist philosophers and authors have acknowledged this for, for centuries, that, that even though they hate God and the Christian worldview, they're, they're, they're smart enough to recognize that the protections we enjoy in America and the way that this republic is built is because of the Christian worldview. I mean, you had Roman citizens abandoning infants, infants, 
on the streets in a practice called exposure to allow them to die. Who was saving them, Jonathan? Who was adopting them and raising them as their own? Oh, right, the early church. I mean, you have pagan societies for centuries who were sacrificing infants, full-blown adults and children to sex gods, war gods, weather gods, crop gods. Why in the world would you think this couldn't happen again? Right, in, in, a, in the last few decades where we have run away from our Judeo-Christian roots in America— at a rate unlike anything we've ever seen in the last 60 years, in, the, in, in at any point in, in the history of this country. So naturally, you're going to start returning to demonic roots, to other strange religious practices, because man is fundamentally a religious animal, and now we're going right back to the pursuit of bloodshed to resolve sin and pursue peace, except that blood has already been shed on Calvary. But, I, but not ironically, we're actually still pursuing that bloodshed to, to eat, live forever, to experience peace, to experiencing human flourishing in our own lives. Oh, strange, strange. It's almost like you yeah. can predict human behavior by being a student of history. So that would be my hot take to the pastors and Christians who are like, huh, what? How is this possible? Uh, no, this is the norm. Okay, infanticide is actually yeah. more of the norm historically. America is the exception. Uh, thank you, Jonathan, for that for that apt description. Um, um, before we talk about one or maybe one or two other bills very quick, because this was really the mothership. This is the the big one right now. Um, You are helping organize a resistance and a protest uh, at the Capitol on April 19th. Can you give us a little bit of information about that and how people can connect with this wonderful event? Yeah, absolutely. So again, uh, we've set up a special microsite for this. Again, ab2223.org. You go directly to there. It takes you to a special page on the CFC website. Uh, You can find out talking points and info about the bill, but there's also a button that says lobby against AB2223. And we are working with our good friends, uh, Gina Gleason and Jack Hibbs at Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills, um, our Karen England from the Capital Resource Institute. And we have lots of other organizations, churches. uh, Seth, at this point, we originally we're hoping to have maybe 200 people. We thought that would be a good start. Uh, then we quickly had to bump up the room to 600 people. And as of today, we have almost 1,200 RSVPs. So <laughs> um, we, uh, we're at, we've actually extended the trainings. We're going to now do multiple trainings on that Tuesday just so that we can fit everybody into the room. And Wonderful. we are asking everybody to come out to pray. There'll be an opportunity for you to go and meet with your legislator. And actually, it, I think it's going to be incredibly powerful because so many people are going to be there. This is going to be one of the largest lobby days that I've ever seen at the Capitol. And Good. we're going to have people cycle through the building throughout the day multiple times so that all those staffers are going to not only be hearing their phones ring off the hook, but they're also going to be having to continually hear pounding on their door flyers being handed to them and they're going to have to listen to people from across the state. Seth, I'm excited because, um, I say this half jokingly, but it's good. We even have expats from California, people that have moved to Texas or moved to Tennessee. They are flying back to California to lobby against this bill. Wow. So I, I would say to everyone who's listening to this, everybody who's watching this, uh, if you don't live in the state of California, but you know people who do, share that website with them. Share this episode, share the website, ab2223.org. And um, I, I will also, if I could make a shameless plug, um, 
the the room at the Hyatt is not free. Um, <laughs> so if anybody would like to make a donation, the lobby day is free. We wanted to make sure that no family, if you, you know, if you have a family of five, you want to bring everybody. We didn't yeah, want yeah. that to be a barrier. Anybody who wants to come, please come for free. But if anybody who, who's watching this wants to uh, make a donation to help support this and everything that we're doing to oppose AB 223, Good. we'd appreciate it. Good. Wonderful. A- uh, April 19th, uh, Tuesday uh, at the Capitol, guys. And uh, hey, um, if there's not space, uh, go anyways and stand outside <laughs> and, and just yep. make a huge crowd um, that will demand media attention and that will scare the California Democrats um, out of their infanticidal agenda. Uh, Jonathan, really quickly, uh, just give us a preview on just one or two other bills uh, just to uh, increase our awareness of, of, of this is just one bill of many that the, these California Democrats are pushing. Yeah, well, this one has obviously, AB 2223 has kind of sucked a lot of the air out of the room, which I know in some senses it's their attention. They want to focus you on how bad this one is and so they can shove everything else through. But just two of the other bills that had hearings a couple days ago, um, we had one, uh, SB 1245. This dealt with setting up new clinics all throughout Los Angeles. It's It's a pilot program. Not only are they trying to make California a sanctuary state for abortion, but really the whole Los Angeles area, they are trying to make this, I think, the abortion mecca for the entire country. Uh, We have an international airport. We have uh, a a ton of uh, clinics that are already there, but they're wanting to add even more clinics to make it as fast as possible for women to fly in from red states uh, get an abortion and then fly out either the same day or the next day. And that actually ties into the next bill, which is uh, SB 1142. Uh, this bill was going to be our number one target for this year until uh, 2223. But 1142, this bill I call the abortion scholarship bill or the abortion tourism bill. Uh, Seth, wow. they're basically telling everybody in a red state that don't worry if your state outlaws abortion. We're going to, we've got your back. We'll make sure that you can get out to California for a free abortion at no cost to you. Who who pays that, Jonathan? Uh... Uh, that that, That would be you and me, Seth. Every single taxpayer. By the way, that would also be, um, I know churches are tex- technically tax exempt, but uh, there are all sorts of taxes that even churches pay. There's obviously taxes that every nonprofit organization like California Family Council, we, we're officially tax deductible, but we're still paying payroll taxes. Uh, yeah. We're still paying uh, property taxes. I mean, all sorts of things. All the money that comes into the state of California, they're going to now start doling this out in the form of grants to these abortion yeah. providing organizations. And Seth, the the final part of this bill, it's just, again, one of those ironies that I could not invent if I tried. Copied and pasted from the Future of Abortion Council website into this bill is a phrase that say, look, if you need assistance getting out here, we'll pay for your airfare. We'll mm-hmm. pay for your lodging. We'll yeah, pay for your food. food. We'll pay for your lost wages. Mm-hmm. But the worst, I think, of all those, mm-hmm. we will yep. pay for your child care. Yep. Babysitting. You, yep. They literally, Planned Parenthood will play, pay for you to fly out to California, and they will have one of their staff members watch your child, play with your child in one room while their sibling is being murdered in the next room. I mean, I, I, that's I, I, the level of 
disassociation, the level of suppressing the truth and unrighteousness that you have to engage in to get to that point, not only as an individual clinic, but as a state. I mean, the yeah. fact that this is, it's going to be in statute. They're not just saying, oh, well, it's a blank check, you know, whatever you use the money for. They specify childcare, Seth. They specify it. It's in black and white in the text of the bill. That This is a feature, not a bug. Yeah, 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 wow. Yeah, and I've been saying that from the stage in, in, in talks recently, Jonathan, and, and uh, it is hard for people to understand or to accept that this is the reality. Um, but this is what happens when the church waits downstream to pick up human heartache that they helped create through their political apathy upstream. Um, and now we're, we're reaping the consequences of that. Jonathan, thank you, brother. Thanks for joining the show today. Uh, we'll be praying for an epic outcome on April 19th. Guys, go RSVP, bring your family, get up there, uh, make a donation to California Family Council to cover the costs associated with this epic uh, turning out of uh, liberty and life-loving Americans who are ready to start getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. And uh, Jonathan, we'll see you soon. Thank you, Seth. God bless you and your family. Thanks for all your hard work on the fight. Absolutely. You too. Thanks for joining the show today, guys. Head on over to iTunes, Spotify, YouTube. Give the show rating and review. Click five stars. Let us know what you think. It really helps us reach more people. We'll put the show notes to California Family Council so you can head over to their website as well. If you want to book me for an event or sign up for my newsletter, head on over to sethgruber.com, S-E-T-H-G-R-U-B as in baby boy, E-R.com. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll see you next week. I'm Seth Gruber, and this is Unaborted. Unaborted. <laughs>